God can do anything and everything that he wants to do. With God, all things are possible. So what impossible situation are you facing today? I mean, it can be a really small situation in my life, a really small problem, and it just feels impossible. And it really is when I'm trying to do it myself, when I'm trying to break through the barrier myself. But when I look to God, and that's what you're doing today, you're getting your eyes off yourself, your problems, you're looking to God, and your problems come into perspective. Because with God, it is a tiny problem. No matter how big the problem seems to you, he is bigger than any problem you're facing. I'm not talking about denial. I mean, you may be facing a huge problem that there's no way you can break through it. Something that's overwhelming. It's not denying that you have a problem, it's just recognizing that your God is bigger than any problem you have. So let's just go to him right now and let's just give him our burdens, our worries, our fears, those problems that we brought in here with us that we're still thinking about even during the worship, it keeps coming back to your mind, those worries. Let's just give them to him right now and let him speak to our hearts because I believe God wants to do miracles today and he knows what you need. So God, we just come before you and we just ask you to do all that you want because nothing is impossible with you. And Lord, I pray for all those worshiping with us online, all those here at the Woodlands campus and our Atascacita campus, I pray that you would just speak a word to their heart, Lord, that's life-changing because your word is life-changing. And Lord, I pray that you would just meet us all right where we need you most so you can take us to the place that we most need. And that's a deeper and growing relationship with you. Knowing that you're a God and we can trust you and seeing that you love us with all your heart and you wanna strengthen us to face every storm. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. I heard about an elderly man who was just entering into a senior living center and on his first day, he noticed all day long there was this woman who just kept staring at him. And at dinner that night, he was eating and he looked two tables over and there was that same elderly woman just staring at him all through dinner. That night was bingo night and all through bingo night, she just kept staring at him. So finally, the man walked up to the woman and he said, I just can't help but notice you've been staring at me ever since I got here. And the woman said, I'm so sorry for staring. Um, yeah, I know it must make you feel a little uncomfortable. I have been staring at you ever since you got here because you look just like my fourth husband. And the guy said, well, how many husbands have you had? And she just smiled at him and said, three. <laughs> We're concluding this series, Now or Never, and it's all about change. If you really wanna change, you've gotta see into the future like that woman. You've gotta see that change is possible, and you can only do that through God's vision. I want us to look at a miracle of God because I believe God wants to work miracles today, miracles of change as we finish off this series that's all about experiencing the change you've been waiting for. We need God's miracle to get us unstuck. And fortunately, God is in the miracle working business. And so would you stand in honor of God's word? We're gonna look at John chapter five. We're gonna look at one of the most powerful miracles that Jesus did, he did so many. In John five, verse one, 
Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. You can be seated. Here we see a man who'd been stuck in a hopeless situation for 38 years. He needed a miracle to get unstuck. He needed a miracle or nothing was ever gonna change in his life and in his situation. He needed a miracle that would lift him off the mat. And that's exactly what happened. God gave him hope in a hopeless situation. Now it says that he was paralyzed physically. A lot of people today are paralyzed relationally. They're in a relational rut that they can't break free from. It seems like they keep having the same problems, the same issues in all their relationships over and over and over again. And nothing ever changes. Maybe they get out of one relationship, they go into another and it's the same issues because they bring themselves with them. It's a relationship rut. And some people are paralyzed spiritually. They're in a character rut. There is a sin that is just something they've been struggling with for so long and they can't seem to break free from it, a destructive habit, a character defect. And it seems like they can never get through it, they can never get over it, they can never get victory from it. And some people are paralyzed emotionally. They're stuck in the hurts of the past and it keeps them from moving forward in the present. And some people are paralyzed financially. They're stuck in a financial rut. They keep having the same problems in their finances time and time again. I mean, once they get out of the problem, it seems like a few years later, a few months later, they're right back into the same painful financial situation. They can't seem to break out of it. Well, we all have those areas in our lives where we get stuck for so long that it's hard for us to imagine ever breaking free, ever changing. But that's not true, that's a lie from the enemy. But like the man at the pool of Bethesda, you need a miracle of God to get you unstuck. You know, you gotta want to get unstuck, but then you need a miracle of God to get you unstuck. You need a miracle that lifts you up off the mat. And fortunately, that's exactly what God wants to do for us. He wants to give us a miracle that lifts us off the mat so we can experience the power of his change process in our lives. Let me give you some background to this miracle. Bethesda was this pool in Jerusalem, and I've actually been to the pool of Bethesda because archeologists have dug all the way down to where the pool of Bethesda was. You see, when you're in the Holy Land and you're walking in the Holy Land, they say you're walking where Jesus walked, not really because he walks 100 feet from where you're walking down. You gotta dig down. Now, there are a few places in the Holy Land where he actually walked that they've dug down to or on the temple steps, but but you gotta go about 100 feet down to actually walk where Jesus walked. And so they have dug down about 100 feet, 2,000 years of dirt 
and they found the pool of Bethesda. I've had the privilege of being there at the pool of Bethesda where Jesus did this miracle. Now, Bethesda was this pool that everyone around Israel had heard of. Everyone knew about the pool of Bethesda because people who needed to be healed would come from all over Israel to the pool of Bethesda because there was this tradition, this legend that said every once in a while an angel would stir the waters and if you were the first one to get into the pool after the waters had been stirred, you would be healed instantly. Now, we don't know if God really sent an angel to stir the waters or if it was just a tradition or a rumor, but it had spread all over Israel. So the blind, the lame, the sick, the homeless and the hurting would come to the pool of Bethesda and they would just live there. They would be homeless and without any shelter, they would just stay by the pool of Bethesda every day because they didn't want to miss out on the chance that if the waters were stirred by an angel, they wanted to try to be the first one in and get healed. And so they were desperately in their hopeless situation, holding on to a little glimmer of hope. And that hope was this pool of water. Now, I think it's important to see that the water didn't heal this guy, Jesus did. It wasn't the magically moving water, it was the miracle worker, Jesus Christ. And I say that because sometimes you see televangelists on TV, you know, who say, if you'll just give me a large donation, I'll send you a vial of holy water, and if you just sprinkle on whatever ails you, you'll be cured. Or I've got a holy handkerchief, I'll sneeze, seven holy sneezes into it. And if you give me a donation, I'll send it to you. Put it on your head, it'll grow hair. I tried that one, it doesn't work. So, I mean, you see some of these guys out there like that and we believe that God heals. And God does use Christ followers and the prayers of faithful people to heal and to bring life change, but it's only God who can heal. God works through our prayers, but it's his power. Now, this man had put his hope in the pool and he stayed stuck in his problem. It wasn't the pool, it was God's power that healed him and changed his life forever. And what really gets us stuck is not that sin, not that character defect, not that problem that overwhelms us. What really digs the deep rut that keeps us stuck is the pool. We trust in the pool and not God's power. And usually it's the of our own power that we're trusting in. We think that we can break free from that sin without having to tell anyone that we trust to help us. And we just dig a rut of addiction. We think we can break free from that character defect with our own power and that destructive habit and our own strength and we just dig an even deeper and more destructive rut. We think we can break free from that hurt without having anyone else helping us or or really turning it over to God completely and it just causes more pain. The painful situation just gets a lot worse. We're trusting in the pool instead of God's power and we end up flat on our back, you know, laying on that mat and nowhere to look but up and we're looking to God finally. So don't trust in the pool, trust in God's power. Look to Jesus because he is the miracle worker who can lift you off the mat. He is the miracle that lifts us off the mat when we look to Jesus Christ. And I believe with all my heart, Jesus wants to give you that miracle, 
This is the day for your miracle. This is the day you get unstuck. Some of you have been stuck for 38 years like this man, or 38 months, or you've been stuck for five years, or 50 years, facing the same overwhelming problem, stuck dealing with the same issues and character defects, uh, having the same hurt that you've been carrying for years that you can't get over. Some of you have been stuck for 38 years, and it is time. You've been stuck far too long. We all have these areas that we get stuck in, and we need a miracle from God to lift us off the mat, to get us unstuck. This is the day you start getting unstuck. I believe God wants to give you his miracle today. God wants to start you on a new path. God wants to give you the miracle that lifts you off the mat and lets you start experiencing his power to really change. That's what Jesus did for this man. He had been stuck in a hopeless situation for 38 years. Every day, 365 days a year for 38 years, he had placed the little bit of hope he had left in a pool of water. And then one day, he meets Jesus one time and everything in his life changes. His whole situation changes. The whole trajectory of his life changes. He's no longer stuck, he's walking forward into his future. And that's what Jesus does. Jesus Christ is the miracle worker. It's not the pool, it's God's power that wants to bring healing to you today and life change. But we have to cooperate with God's power. This passage shows us that we have to cooperate with God's power so that he can change us in those areas we need changing in. So he can give us those new positive, powerful habits in our lives that we haven't been able to develop with our own willpower. And so how do we do that? Well, the passage reveals a couple of things that we need to do to cooperate with God's change process so he can give us that miracle to change. First, I've got to stand up and stop making excuses. Look at John 5, 8. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. So the first thing Jesus tells this man is to stand up. Jesus tells him to do the most awkward, unnatural thing that he could have ever done. Stand up after he'd been confined to laying down for 38 years. It was the most awkward, unnatural thing that Jesus could have ever asked of him. And Jesus always asks us to stand up before he starts a miracle. He always asks us to stand up before he starts a miracle. And sometimes he asks us to do something that feels so awkward and unnatural, something that makes us feel really uncomfortable. But when we do, and we stand up and we obey him regardless of if we understand it or not, if it makes sense or not, if it feels natural or not, whether it's awkward or not, then he starts the miracle because he never starts the miracle before we stand up. You see, sometimes we think if we pray for a miracle for God to change us or change the situation, then instantly everything changes. Everything goes smoothly. Everything just falls into place. All the barriers just fall away instantly. And we just completely change and have that struggle no more and everything just works out. Usually doesn't happen that way. That's usually not the way God works. You see, usually he asks us to stand up before he starts the miracle, not after. And things don't work out just naturally and feel great. He asks us to do something that feels awkward, that may not make sense, that seems unnatural, that just doesn't flow and doesn't feel so easy. But if we just take that stand, 
that small little step up, then he takes it the rest of the way. Sometimes it feels awkward. Sometimes we don't understand it. But when we stand up, he starts working a miracle. Change always starts when you obey God and you stand up, even if it doesn't make sense to you, even if it feels awkward, even if it doesn't come natural to you. See, there's a myth that says, when you pray to God for a miracle over an addiction or a destructive habit, that you just pray and God takes it away. That you just pray and everything just works out and it doesn't work that way. It's usually God saying, if you take a stand up, I'll give you the strength. If you take one step of faith, I'll give you the strength to take that step. But we wanna run a thousand steps ahead and God says, no, I'll give you the strength for the next step. One step at a time, one moment at a time. It's one day at a time, that next step. We wanna run 3,000 steps ahead. We want God to give us the power for the next 30 years. God, you work out the next 30 years. God, you give me the strength for the next 30 years. And God says, no, but I will give you the strength for the next step. And then the strength for the next step, and then the strength for the next step, and 30 years later, you'll look back and you'll be where you never dreamed that you could be. It's not some big blind leap of faith, it's just a step of faith. A step of faith and a step of faith, and he will not give you the strength for 10 steps ahead. He just gives you the strength for one step at a time, but he will give you that strength. And he says to this man, you stand up, I'll give you the strength to stand up. I'm not gonna give you the strength to run a marathon. I'm gonna give you the strength to stand. And when we take that stand and we take that step, he gives us the strength for the next step. And when you've been stuck for a long time, it's gonna feel awkward. It's gonna feel unnatural. But you take a step of faith regardless of how it feels. Really what you do is you risk awkwardness. You see, some of you aren't naturally affectionate. I mean, you're not a real hugger, and that's okay, but if your spouse needs affection, and if your kids need hugs, then you gotta risk your awkwardness and step into it. It's not about you. It's not about that it doesn't come natural for you. If they need it, it's about them. And so you gotta be willing to step into something that doesn't really feel natural for you. You risk awkwardness, and God gives you the power because it's not about what you feel like, it's about what they need. And in fact, I would say every huge breakthrough in any of my close relationships have happened because I or someone else risk awkwardness. Risk asking something, risk saying something, the truth and love, or, or, or risk stepping out of what feels natural for them. See, some of you are people pleasers and you avoid conflict at all costs, you hate conflict. So what you do when you get angry, you just stuff it down. And that's even worse because you get really resentful and bitter and bitterness can destroy relationships. And so you gotta risk the awkwardness of anger, expressing your anger. And when you do, it's not gonna feel natural. It's not gonna feel real good. When you step out and express your anger, it's not gonna come off great either because you're not used to it and you're not gonna be good at it, but that's okay. You're probably gonna cuss someone out. Go from never saying anything to cussing someone out. And they go, wow, what happened to you? I thought you were just so nice and sweet. You hate me and want to kill me. Wow, I found that out after 30 years. You're gonna go a little overboard at first and that's okay, that's healthy. You gotta start risking awkwardness so you don't risk the relationship. You see, there's so many things that don't come natural to us that don't flow and that's what a lot of people think love is, is that 
Love, if you really love someone, it's just gonna flow out of you. You're just gonna always know what to do and feel like doing it, and it's just gonna flow out of you, and if it doesn't, then that's not real love. And Nothing could be further from the truth. You see, love means that you risk awkwardness to meet the other person's need. You may not get it totally. It may not be something that you, you know, comes natural to you, but you learn what they need, and you step out, and you risk awkwardness, or you risk sharing when you're angry or upset and what you feel like and your true feelings and your fears, all those things, so you can have real intimacy in a marriage relationship. It really comes down to obeying God. You have to risk awkwardness, and he'll ask you to do some things like after you come to Christ, the first thing that we're supposed to do, that we're commanded to do to show that we love him and we're committed to him and that he's in our lives is to be baptized. We're gonna have our super summer baptism in two weekends and it, last year we had over a thousand people baptized at our super summer baptisms and so some of you haven't been baptized after you receive Christ. It's gonna feel a little awkward getting your hair wet. It's gonna feel a little awkward. It's like, eh, what is this exactly? It feels a little uncomfortable. He'll always ask you to do something that feels a little unnatural, feels a little awkward. He'll ask you to stand up when you haven't stood up for 38 years. And so you step out and you do it, no matter what it feels like, no matter if you understand it completely, and he starts doing a miracle in your life. Obedience brings blessing. You take a step of obedience, it takes you to a whole new place in your life. That's what Jesus did for this man. But I want you to notice the most unusual thing about the miracle, it's in John 5, 6. Jesus asked the man a really strange question. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in that condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? What kind of question is that? That's almost offensive. This guy has been an invalid for 38 years. He's gotten to the pool of Bethesda somehow. You know, he's a homeless man so that he can live right there without any shelter 365 days a year, just so he might have the chance to roll into the water and beat everyone else when the water is stirred. Of course he wants to be healed, right? Well, not quite sure. I'm not quite sure because sometimes we get so stuck in our dysfunction for so long, we get comfortable with our situation. We've been in our dysfunction so long, it just feels normal. There's a little bit of assurance in that because when we're in a mess, we know what the mess is like, but we don't know what it's gonna be like after the miracle. And we struggle with trusting God. If God really gives me this miracle and changes my life in me, what's it gonna be like? I know what this mess is like. It's not great, but I don't know what it'll be like after the miracle. If God really gets a hold of my life, so when Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? What does he do? He just gives an excuse. He's saying, Jesus is saying, do you really want to change? Do you really want to break through? Do you really want a miracle? And that's what he says to me. That's what he says to you. He says, do you really want to change? Do you really want a miracle? Do you really want a breakthrough? Do you really trust me with the rest of your life that you can surrender it to me? Sometimes we're afraid of change. And so Jesus asked him, do you wanna get well? And here's his answer in John 5, 7. 
Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. So when Jesus asked him, do you wanna get well? He doesn't say yes, he doesn't say no, he just gives an excuse. He says, well, you don't really understand. He says, you know, what happens is, whenever the water is stirred, I can't get in because I don't have any friends to throw me into the pool. When these guys over here, they got all these friends just waiting. These friends will sit with them every day and, and they'll get them in the pool ahead of me and I've got it really bad. My situation is worse than anyone else's here. I mean, the other day, the waters were stirred and this guy with a skin rash jumps in and gets healed. How fair is that? I mean, here I am, I can't even move and this guy does a triple somersault into the pool just to get some clear skin. I mean, that is not fair. I mean, he's just going through this and saying, I got no friends, I got no one to help me. There's no way I can get in. He doesn't say, yes, I wanna be healed. No, I don't wanna be healed. He just makes an excuse. And that reminds me of me. Uh, the other day, my oldest son, Ryan, and I went on a guy's getaway, and I got this Airbnb because it had this spa, this hot tub, it was a big hot tub, and I thought, that's pretty cool, so at the end of the day, we'll do that, you know? Well, when we got there, we realized that it was two small Airbnbs right together with a shared hot tub. And so that night, we said, let's go out in the hot tub, and we looked out, and all the lights were out. We go, that's really weird. I mean, when we left for dinner, the lights were on, and now all the lights are out, and we look closer, and there was this man and a woman all cuddled up in the dark in the hot tub. And I go, that's not fair. I mean, this is a shared hot tub. I said, Ron, we just ought to go down there and just sit right in the middle of them, going, hey, where are you guys from? Isn't this cool? This is a great Airbnb situation. And Ryan said, no, you can do that if you want, Dad, but they beat us, so they get it, you know? See, I get upset when someone gets into a hot tub first. This guy, you know, he's complaining and, and giving that excuse, and I can't really blame him. I mean, he's in a tough situation. But so many times when God asks me, do you want to get well? Do you want to have that miracle? Do you want to change? I'll say, well, God, you know, yeah, of course I want to change, but there's so many barriers in my way. I, I mean, this problem is giant, and I can't get through it, and, and, and you know, I really didn't cause this problem. I mean, it's, you know, I just got stuck in this. And, and God, it, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's just overwhelming. You don't understand quite my situation. And he says, do you really wanna change? He says, do you really wanna break free from that sin? Then what you need to do is tell someone you trust about your struggle so that the truth can set you free and, and so that you can start walking in freedom and accountability and and then we say, but God, I don't really have a friend like that that I can share something. My sin is so shameful that I can't really share that. Other people, they have some friends like that that you know just love them in spite of it and help them along the way, and, but I don't have anyone like that, so you don't really understand, God, sure, I'd like to do that. And, and then God says, do you really wanna get over that hurt that you've held on to for so long? Of course I wanna get over that hurt, God. But you don't understand how they hurt me. Uh, do you really understand how deeply they hurt me and what they did? I didn't cause this, God. They did this. And if I really forgive, then I let them off the hook. And that's not really fair, God. And God says, I know they hurt you so deeply. And it breaks my heart. I know you didn't cause it. It's not your fault. But it is your responsibility to let go of that resentment so it doesn't destroy you. Do you really want to change? You see, we begin to make these excuses just like this man. 
Do you really want to change? Do you really want a breakthrough today? The man gave Jesus all these excuses because he focused on all the barriers to the miracle rather than the bridge to the miracle that was right in front of him. Jesus Christ was right there, but what did he do? He focused on all the barriers that were keeping him from his miracle, but he didn't focus on the bridge, Jesus Christ, that was right there for the miracle. And sometimes I get all focused on the barriers. God, I mean, this is a barrier, that's a barrier, this problem is just overwhelming, and, and I don't realize the bridge to the miracle is right there with me and in me in the power of Christ. So I've got to stand up and stop making excuses, and then I've got to step out of my comfort zone and experience the miracle. Jesus just stopped in the middle of all his excuses. Jesus didn't go, oh, that's very interesting. Oh, I feel so sorry for you. No, he just says this in John 5, 8. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Jesus said, pick up your mat. He would probably used that mat for 38 years just to make him a little more comfortable as he was confined to the hard ground. He'd probably been on that mat for a long time. It was sort of his comfort mat, security blanket. You know, I mean, that, that was pretty much all he had, his little comfort mat. And Jesus said, hey, you pick up that mat and you roll it up, you'll never need it again because what I'm about to do is gonna change you forever and you won't need that old comfort mat anymore because you're gonna be walking. You need to roll up that old comfort mat because what I'm about to do is change your life forever because I'm gonna give you a miracle that lifts you off the mat and you will never need that mat again. And that's what he says to us today because we all have our comfort mats, those things that we kind of trust in. And Jesus always asks us to give up our comfort mat so we can experience a miracle. You know, my grandkids, they have their stuffies. And each one of them has their stuffy that they, you know, go to bed with, that they, you know, take naps with, that they, when they're feeling bad and sad and crying, they've got to hold their stuffy. And my granddaughter, Mary Love, has Allison. I don't know how she got just a, a, a real name, Allison. But anyway, that's her stuffy, you know, and she's got to have Allison with her to comfort her when she's getting ready for a nap. And my grandson, Lincoln, he has Lucky. And Lucky is so lucky, he gets torn up a lot. But, but they've gotta have their stuffy, and as adults, a lot of us still have our stuffies. It may be our material possessions. It may be our status. It may be what other people think about us, but we still hold on to those stuffies, and it's okay for kids to do that, but as adults, we're missing out on the miracles that God wants to give us. So what is your comfort mat? Is it a relationship that you've been trusting in for all of your happiness and security? Is it the comfort mat of money and material possessions? Is it the comfort mat of success and status? Is it the comfort mat of pleasing people and being liked? Is it the comfort mat of anesthetizing your pain with pleasure? What is your comfort mat? Jesus will ask you to roll it up because he's gonna say to you, you're not, not gonna need that again. I'm gonna take you to a place where you will never need that again because you will find total fulfillment and peace and purpose and true joy. So what is your comfort mat? You know, a lot of those things aren't bad things in and of themselves. It's just when you lean on them instead of leaning on Christ that they keep you from the miracle that God wants you to have. You have to choose between the mat and the miracle worker. You can't have both. And so you have to surrender your comfort mat to God and say, God, I surrender this situation to you. I can't fix it. It's yours. Do what you want. God, I surrender my marriage to you. God, I surrender my business to you. I surrender my family to you. I surrender my finances to you. 
God, I trust you with them. I'm gonna do what you wanna do because I trust you. I know that you want the best for me. But a lot of times we hold onto that comfort mat because we're not sure that God really knows what's best or wants the best for us or really loves us. And sometimes in his mercy, God pulls the comfort mat right out from under us so that we can experience a miracle. You see, he loves us so much and he says, you're struggling with this, aren't you? Well, I'm gonna just put something into your life that's gonna just take that comfort mat right out from under you so that you can experience the miracle that I wanna give you. It may be a little painful, but I know what's best for you. I've talked to so many people who say, the worst thing that ever happened to me became the best thing that ever happened to me. 20 years ago, I had to file for bankruptcy, but if it wasn't for that, I would have never found my true purpose in life. You know, uh, 10 years ago, I got fired. That was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because that's when God gave me the idea to start this new business that's blessed me and the kingdom of God so much. You know, I, I went through this breakup and it devastated me, but I'm so glad that God allowed that because it turned me to him and then he turned me to the, the one for me. I mean, over and over again, I've heard this. And you've probably experienced it, but you don't realize it right then and there. When God takes the comfort mat out of your life, he does it because he doesn't want you to miss the miracle. He wants you to experience the miracle that he has for you. And so he told this man, you're not gonna need it anymore. I'm gonna work a miracle, I'm gonna heal you, and you're going to a new level, and that comfort mat that you think is something that you wanna hold on to, you won't wanna hold on to it anymore. And see, when you give something to God, he either gives it back to you with a whole new purpose, and that's what he does most of the time, or he gives you something better. We don't trust God, that's our problem, that he really knows what's best. But Ephesians 3.20 says, now glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. See, this man couldn't even imagine what life would be like without the mat. He couldn't even imagine what it would be like to actually walk. And you can't blame him. He had been in that situation for 38 years. He just couldn't even imagine what it would be like to experience a miracle that lifted him off the mat. But Christ came along and changed what he could see. Christ did the miracle, and he didn't need the mat any longer. And some of you can't really imagine what it would be like to have victory over that struggle. Some of you can't even imagine what it would be like to have that huge problem out of your life. Some of you can't even imagine what it would be like to have that miracle that lifts you off the mat and takes you to a whole new place. You can't even imagine what it's like. But in this passage it says that God wants to give you something that you can't even imagine, that you wouldn't even dare to ask for or even dream of. That's his plan for you, it's so much better than anything you can think of. Anything you can dream of, anything you can imagine. God says, I wanna give you a miracle that's beyond anything you could dare ask or even dream of. But you've got to stand up, take that step, leave the comfort mat in God's hands because you can trust him with it. And in John 5, 8, Jesus said to him, get up, take your bedroll and start walking. The man was healed on the spot. He picked up his bedroll and he walked off. Jesus said, you gotta start walking. You may be a little wobbly at first. I don't know what it was like when he started walking, but Jesus said, you start walking right now. And that's so important. We need to start walking in faith, even if we're a little wobbly. 
you start walking. The Christian life is like riding a bicycle. Once you stop, you fall over. You just gotta keep walking. You're gonna go through some rough times. You're gonna go over some rocky ground at times. You're gonna feel wobbly at times, but you just take the next step and you take the next step and you take the next step. You keep walking and he gives you the power to walk. Start walking in faith to take the next step. Now the pool of Bethesda literally means the pool of mercy. And I love that because so many times, you know, I've plunged into the pool of God's mercy, the ocean of God's love, and experienced that miracle, that healing, that change in my life. And then there've been many times in God's love and his mercy, he has just pulled the comfort mat right out from under me. And it hurts, and I hate it. But it's because he loves me so much, he wants to plunge me into the pool of mercy. Out of his mercy and grace, he pulls the comfort mat out from under me so I can experience his miracle. That's the God that we serve. In 1 John 4, 18, it says, there's no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear, since fear is crippling. A fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is one not yet fully formed in love. He says fear is crippling. This man was crippled physically, but for most of us, fear cripples us. Fear keeps us from really experiencing God's miracles in our life because we're afraid that we can't trust God with the important things in our lives. And so we live in fear, we live in anxiety, we live in worry, and we all have fears, and those fears can be crippling. There's the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, uh, the fear of disconnection, the fear of being alone, the fear of death, the fear of judgment. There are all these fears, and it just means that our love for God is not fully developed that we don't have that fully formed love in our life that God wants to give us. And the answer is that we plunge into God's pool of mercy and his ocean of love and just surrender, whether we feel like it or not, whether we're a little scared or not, we just plunge into God's love, his ocean of love that is right there for us, and we get out of the mud puddle and we experience the miracle. Some of us are playing in mud puddles and thinking that's the best it's gonna get when right over the fence, is the ocean, the ocean of God's love. And all we have to do is just step right into it. But we have to look up and just see that things could be different. And then we stand up, we give God our comfort mat, and then we start walking. I want us to bow together. Dear God, we thank you that you love us so much that you want us to experience a miracle. And I know for today, Lord, every one of us have been stuck in some area of our lives that you wanna change. You don't want us to stay stuck. And we need a miracle, Lord, to help us break free. We need a miracle, Lord, to start the change in our lives. So I just pray right now that you would work miracles, that you would help each one of us just surrender to you our comfort mat and say, God, I'm a little scared, but I, I give it over to you to do what you want because I know you know what's best. So I just surrender it to you. And then, Lord, help us take that stand, that next step, whatever it is. Maybe it is baptism. Lord, help everyone who hasn't followed through with being baptized as you've commanded after they've received Christ to do that in two weeks, Lord. I, I pray that you would help everyone who hasn't started putting you first in their finances because they're struggling with trusting you, that they would start today. Today would be the day and they would see your blessing come through in their lives just as you promised. And Lord, I pray for those who 
have never received you as Lord and Savior, that today would be their day, and they would just pray this prayer silently to you. Jesus Christ, I need you. I surrender to you and ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I accept your free gift of salvation, and I accept your free gift of heaven one day. And then, Lord, I ask you to just do miracles in every one of our lives. Lord, every one of us, Lord, are, are stuck in some areas. We're hesitant to step out in faith to risk awkwardness in a relationship, to share our true feelings, even if it causes conflict and rocks the boat. But Lord, that's the only way we get to intimacy, is we risk awkwardness. Lord, help us risk awkwardness in telling someone else, maybe a prayer team member or a pastor, the struggle we're going through that we feel all alone in, Lord, so that the burden can lift. Lord, help us be willing to tell someone else about the pain in our lives and bring it to you. Lord, help us to stop trying to fix things ourselves, turn to you and turn to others and experience your miracle that lifts us off the mat. Thank you for this series, Lord, and for what you've done, but I know it's just the beginning of change in our lives in so many ways, and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, now we're at the part of our service where we give back to God and we give because we love him. We love what he's doing through the ministries and missions of this church. But the main reason we give is because we want to put God first. Because we love God. And by the way, so many of us go on vacations at times during the summer. But our ministries, you know, just go stronger in the summer. And in most churches and a lot of times in our church, the giving goes down in the summer. But the ministries go up. And so I really encourage you to set up recurrent giving this summer. Put God first. Do you do that for your mortgage that it just comes out and you don't have to worry about it and being late? Well, then God's more important than your mortgage. And so you can go to wc.org give if you're worshiping online or you can go to wc.org give on your smartphone or you can text the word GiveWC to 77977. It's one word, GiveWC to 77977. It'll take you to our secure um, giving site and set up recurrent giving. You watch what God does in your life. This is a chance for you to see that God is real, that he works, that he keeps his promise, that he cannot give him. Put him first. And then pray for all of our students. We have over 1,000 students going to high school camp alone in a couple weeks. And I'm telling you, it's gonna be a lot of life change. We have so many students going to junior high camp and children's camp and our vacation Bible school adventure week for kids here at the church and our campuses and on and on I could go with all the ministries that are going on with students because we believe this generation is gonna change the world and that's why we do what we do at Willens Church. And so yes, the ministries and the missions, God's doing it to change lives, but give because you love God with all your heart. And you know that his word is true when he says, give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You get to choose how much you are blessed, isn't that amazing? You get to choose how much you're blessed based on your faith, and God wants to bless you to be a blessing. So let's stand together and let's give him the glory and let's praise him because he inhabits the praises of his people, and God wants to work a miracle. Today is your day to experience God's miracle. Let's thank him in advance, and we can't give him much of anything, but let's give him our praise. Let's give him our lives, and let's be grateful for all that he's given us on this Memorial Day all the sacrifices of those who've gone before so we could worship today. Let's sing praise to God who paid the ultimate sacrifice. 
Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.